It is our custom to uh, read scriptures together, so if you are able, please stand with us and join me in unison. We will be reading a few verses, even though we'll be looking at the entire chapter today. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion, and blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you hurried and came to meet me, truly by morning there had been none left to Nabal so much as one male. Then David received from her hand what she had brought him. And he said to her, Go in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice, and I have granted your petition. And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he was holding a feast in his house, unlike the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. So she told him nothing at all until the morning light. In the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things, and his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. And about ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. You may be seated. Now, uh, I'm hoping that uh, you will repent. If you are not reading with us, and you will restart again. If you have not caught up, don't catch up. Start again with us. It's a beautiful time to continue into God's Word, pray with your family, and read together. Um, what is special about David? A man after God's own heart. Uh, many times we misunderstand that. Why do you think David is a man after God's own heart? You can't answer if you're in Sunday school today. In Sunday school, Al's Max's Sunday school. That's uh, close enough. It's because he's the embodiment of repentance. Can we have a relationship with God without repentance? No, so that the blessing of this reality is huge for us that God has chosen to put David as the embodiment of his uh, of repentance. So uh, be careful when you look at his life and say, oh, I guess God likes uh, for us to do certain things. No, there's a lot of things that are being as an open book from his life to continually show us how he lived the repenting lifestyle. And this is what is very beautiful for us. Most, most of you know that after Jesus, David has, is the most space and is the second most spoken person in all of scriptures. There's no one else. Actually, in the Old Testament... Uh, you know, a lot of it is about David. Obviously, the Lord is, you know, we can't talk about Jesus because he's everywhere. You know, uh, the Son of God, you, you can find him from the beginning to the end. You can't get away from him not being there. But as a human being, David is by far spoken about and 
a central figure and more space in scriptures allotted than any other human being. Now, I know you don't, some of you may not care about those facts, but the reason why I'm saying that, there's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. And let me ask you, how many of you, uh, do we have any mechanics here? No mechanics here. Let's see, what can you do? Do we have any uh, electricians here? No, no electricians. Any trades? Anybody who works with their hands? Any woodworkers? Okay. They will understand us because... Any mathematicians here? Okay, well, this goes anywhere. How many of you like theory? How many of you would prefer to work, for example, on a... Uh, on a, uh, a proof saying, prove to me in mathematical terms that a point is a subset of itself. If you like that, you like theory. If you would prefer 1 plus 1 equals 2, you don't like theory. <laughs> Which one would you prefer to work? 1 plus 1 or prove that a point is a subset of itself? That kind of speaks to you about There's certain people who, you know, when I used to teach math, they would say, you know, just show me how to do it. Because they're interested in getting to know how to do it. They didn't understand it. All they wanted to do is know how to solve things and how to do it. Right? Well, this is David. David, the Lord exposes David to see how to do it. If David would be the second most holy man after our Lord Jesus... There wouldn't be much exposure for you and I. There wouldn't be that much repenting to be done. If he always listened, if he didn't mess up, how could he? If he didn't struggle, how could he be? Right? So, so he is the very process of showing us the way we ought to live. He is the method. Of the repenting process. The problem is. In that time. There wasn't much power with it. Because the cross. Had not taken place yet. We are blessed. Because now there's a power with it. Why is this important? David is the anointed one of the Lord. You and I are Christians, meaning we are the anointed ones. Anointed ones and there's power. So basically, we have an empowered form. Because we are God's children. We're not a, the king of Israel, but we are princes in the kingdom of God in heaven. And we have an inheritance. As we go up, we are children. We have been adopted into the king's family. So there's many attributes and many parallels that will bless us as we look. This passage, First uh, Samuel 25, it's very important to us. I don't know, I'm hearing an echo. Maybe it's just me. But now... Let's begin to read and move through this wonderful story. Now Samuel died, and all Israel assembled and mourned for him, and they buried him in his house at Ramah. Then David rose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. 
very important verse, and we have to be careful about it. Because first people say, how many people went there? It says, all, all. Wait a minute, I thought Saul and David weren't on friendly terms with each other. Was Saul there? We have to question that because he tells us about David. Then David rose. I take it that he rose from mourning. And went down to the wilderness of Paran. We don't know if Saul was there. But what is happening? We come to a very important part of the history of Israel because the voice of God has departed as they know it. Now, yes, the Lord will raise Gad. The Lord will raise Nathan. A couple of more prophets will come about. But at this point, there is no spiritual covering of a voice within Israel. Do you think that's a good thing or not so good of a thing? What do you expect? Could it possibly even affect the anointed of the Lord? And there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Interestingly enough, this is about as close to as far southeast that you can get from that place where Saul was and Ramah. So obviously David is still on the run. And uh, this area was a wealthier area. And we see that the name of the guy was Nabal which means foolish one or, uh, you know, a foolish man. And, his, and the name of his wife, Abigail. Do you guys know what Abigail means? Very opposite terms. Foolish one meaning as the one who brings about folly. Abigail means source of joy. A duality is being brought to us. One is one who brings about folly and a source of joy. Abigail really means father or source of joy. The woman was discerning and beautiful. So source of joy, discerning and beautiful. But the man was harsh and badly behaved. He was a Calebite. Now, being a Calebite, that speaks highly. I mean, Caleb and Joshua were the two prominent lines. The most famous lines. Do we have any famous lines in the U.S. that are on the news? You got to know at least one. The Kennedys. Aren't the Kennedys still on the news? Well, the Kennedys are still on the news. 
Any other line that's still on the news? Well, at least we have one. The Kennedys. Do any of you still follow the Kennedy line? Well, you ought to. Because there was a curse put on them. And some people are still tracking to see if that curse. And a lot of that curse has taken because a lot of them died as that curse or prophetic word was given a long time ago. So some people still follow the stuff. It's not supposed something that we speak in church about, but there's a reason why they're still on the news. And there's a reason why they've been tried to be decimated over the years. But nonetheless, a source of joy. When you look at the words that are being used, it says that she had what? Discernment. Discernment here, it tells us that there was intuition and understanding from a wellspring of good. That's the Hebrew approach. It is, it is very similar. Both of those words in Hebrew, they are a tantrum of two root words put together. It's not a singular world. So it's the same thing when it says beautiful. You can take it as a beauty, but not as a beauty as you see someone who is strikingly beautiful. Let me give you an example. Have you ever been in the presence of someone who's beautiful but after or handsome, but after being around them for five to ten minutes, you're like, oh, I don't really care for this presence. I kind of want to get away. Happens to me all the time. Happened, sorry. Doesn't happen so much more often. But you sometimes are around people and there's a beauty and a pleasantness. So there's an interesting word because we are so sinful today with an image-oriented, lustful word of image to look at pleasantness and translate it in appearing beauty. But it's literally, to me, I see this coming into a beauty that when you are within the presence of that person, there is a pleasantness and a beauty that begins to grow. So, you know, let me tell you, the worst marriages, oh, we're so in love with one another, and, you know, boy, what are we going to do? Because that kind of left us about a year and a half ago. You know, and I don't like those type of marriage couples, their marriage, you know, counseling sessions. I prefer the ones that start pretty bad. And then they learn how to receive this from the Lord. And with every passing day afterwards, it just gets better and better and better and better. So the longer they're with each other, the longer that pleasantness and that love grows within them. So that is, uh, you know, the other one. But this is the type of a person that is spoken about Abigail. And here's the type of a person that says here, he was harsh and badly behaved. See why that pleasantness is being around as you look at the very opposite of this thing. He is badly behaved and he was harsh. Okay. David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. 
So David sent 10 young men, and David said to the young man, Go up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus you shall greet him. Peace be to you, and peace be to your house, and peace be to all that you have. By now, the entire nation knew that Samuel did what? Anoint him to be king. Samuel's gone, but Saul is still around. What is David beginning to do? He's exercising the reality that the voice of God left. But not only that, and thus you shall greet him, peace be, peace be to you, and peace be to your house, and peace be to all that you have. I hear that you have shares. Now your shepherds have been with us, and we did them no harm, and they missed nothing all the time they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. Please give whatever you have at your hand to your servants and to your son David. So what happened was during the share time, uh, wool was very valuable. They had a huge feast because he brought in so much wealth. They would you know, have lots of food, animals would be, you know, feasted upon, and there was a big party, and everyone who helped received something. So what happened during this time that David, what did David do when he was a youth? He was a shepherd. So he said, I'm going to help this huge wealthy guy with all of us. We're going to be a wall to them so they will lose nothing. They will only improve and gain. What they are since we're here, might as well, let's do that and help them out. But what were they doing? They were actually laboring in a way for Nabal. So he doesn't ask for wages. He says, just from your feast, not wages, because those guys were feasting and receiving wages, share with us something that's due to us from this very small thing. They were a wall to us both by night and by day, all while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know this and consider what you should do. Oh, sorry, I went way too far. Sorry. Please give whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son, David. Well, one of the young men told... Uh -oh. That's interesting. From verse 8 to 14, it didn't print. When David Young's man came, they said all this to Nabal in the name of David, and they waited. And Nabal answered David's servants, Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. What is Nabal saying? I do not recognize your presence and your help to me. I don't recognize you and the prophetic word. And you are rebellious towards your own master. Try to be insulted. Consider the joy when others insult you because of my name. 
considered joy. Interesting how the Lord uses those words, and Abigail was the fountain of joy, when here we see in the face of an insult, David messing up and taking things into his own hands. Interesting how when you read that in the New Testament, if you know the Hebrew, it brings you back to Abigail. What does that tell you? Abigail now will become the source of joy. She will be the voice of God. I'm pretty sure. I don't have to read further in the story, but because Jesus illuminates the word to us and sees how he speaks, I know that this source of joy will be how God will communicate. Anyway, verse 14, But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, Behold, David sent messengers out to the wilderness to greet our master, and he railed, them, uh, railed at them. Yet the men were very good to us, and we suffered no harm. And we did not miss anything when we were in the fields, as long as we went with them. They were a wall to us, both by night and by day, all the while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know this, and consider what you should do. What is happening? Nabal is declaring something. The people who work under Nabal is declaring the very opposite of what Nabal is saying. But Nabal is a source of folly. So here's what they say. This is, again, she was both pleasant, joyful, and when the servants come in the presence of the discerning one, they're discerning. For harm is determined against our master and against all his house. And he is such a worthless man that one cannot speak to him. Not only is he worthless, what does that mean? Being in his presence, you even though you try to gain, you will be brought to ruin. Would you get fired if you spoke that way about your boss to his wife? See, he is such a worthless man that no one can speak to him. Besides that, he's also stubborn. Another one to add to the equation. Then Abigail made haste. Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves and two skins of wine and five sheep already prepared and five sheep. She's of parched grain and a hundred clusters of raisins and two hundred cakes of figs and lay them on donkeys. And said, and she said to her young man, Go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. What is the fountain of joy and the fountain of 
discretion slash understanding slash discernment tell you and I? When a wrong is done about you, don't wait. You need to move in haste because the destroyer is at work. No longer is Abigail dealing with her husband. No longer is Abigail dealing with David. She knows that this sin has left the door open for the demonic and the destroyer. Go ahead before me with the gifts. Is that how you walk? No, the servants walk behind the master. So she's approaching in a confessional, repenting way, lowering, humble way. Is she being subservient to her husband? You could say that, but we see that her husband was already drunk. So you couldn't really talk to him. And as she rode on the donkey and came under the cover of the mountain, behold, David and his men came down toward her, and she met them. Now David has said, now this is David. David has said, to whom? To himself, to the people around him, we don't know. Surely in vain I guarded all this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was amiss of all that belonged to him, and he has returned me evil for good. This is a fact. Does it mean that you are to do something about it? No. God do so to the enemies of David and more so if by morning I leave so much as one male of all who belong to him. What's the promise here? What's the problem here? Does it look like David took a vow? At the very least to himself unless other people heard him too. It looks like he made a vow of what he's going to do. And it's almost as though he was trying to place a curse on this condition related to something greater than his own life. You know what happens when you are in an unrepentant, sinful condition, something that bothers you, something that affects you? It grows. It gives the right for the enemy to oppress your life, to bring tension, to spread Some of it has spread it from grandparents through your parents and then to you, and you're clueless about it. Some, it's working you right now. Why? Why is this happening to David, a man after God's own heart, as you said? 
Why? Because he decided to take matters into their own hands. If you're an anointed one, do you know what happens? You're in the best place if you're not observed or mentioned within the church as you serve the Lord. That is the best picture of who you are. When Abigail said David, she hurried and got down from the docking and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. Women are covered. They're clothed. Is it because she wanted to get close? Sometimes we don't read. We read so fast. Where is she? Below his horse. With the face down. What is she saying? There's something intimate that I need to speak with you that right now you're not able to receive. What is she practicing? What is she practicing? Discernment. She's practicing discernment. She's reading where he's at. It's a manifestation of the gift of the Spirit. She's practicing discernment. I'm speaking to you, but I'm not where I should be. Even though I said this, I need to get closer. I need to pave my way through waves of destruction that your flesh has been manipulated into. Can I pass through those waves closer? I, let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. I thought David was hearing pretty well. Let not my Lord. What is she saying? What is she doing? Why does she use the word my instead of let not the Lord, the master? Why would she use the word my? Let's not jump to a conclusion yet. The word of God will explain itself to us. We keep reading. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow. Why is he my? And now her husband's a worthless fellow. It's because she is married to whom? To the Lord, to God. And she made a covenant with her husband. And she's here on his behalf. But she's serving the Lord. And she's saying to David, you are mine because we both need to serve the Lord. It's not what you're thinking. She doesn't have a selfish agenda about David. It's because she's saying, you and I need to serve the Lord. And that's why you're mine. You're part of the people who serve the Lord, aren't you?
Nabal is his name, Amphali is with him. But I, your servant, did not see the young man of my Lord whom you sent. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives. <laughs> Why as the Lord lives? Because he's alive, but why as the Lord lives? It's, it, it's not powerful with us. Because can the Lord die? He's everlasting. But he is the author of life. And when he comes, he is the one who ought to take revenge. But when he ministers, there's life. And as your soul lives... The Lord lives and you are alive because of the life that the Lord has. And therefore your soul lives and it's eternal because of that reality. Because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own. He's saying, don't leave the place of life. And don't try to do your own bidding. That's why we have no right to respond when we're offended. But to count it as joy. Isn't that a beautiful name to give to your daughter, Abigail? Now, if you experience this, do you think David... Saw her naked like he saw Bathsheba and he asked her to be her wife? Or do you think it's a different reason why he's going to ask her later to come be his wife? Because there's an immeasurable beauty that counts because of how she serves the Lord and what the Lord has done to us. That David now is marked for life with her beauty. It's more than what your eyes or your sinful desires can ever flourish. There's a depth of beauty that comes from the depth of Christ and his character and who he is and his fountain. And that's the type of a person you ought to marry and want to be around. But too many people are caught in their own flesh in their own hurts and pains, in their own past, trapped. Too many people have made mistakes. Too many people have taken their matters in their own hands. <sighs> now let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. What did David say to himself? Did he mention anything about his own enemies? If he's not going to do that? Yes, he did. So why, why is she saying this way? How can Abigail... Know something that it's personal between David and his own claim and before God. Is because the Lord is saying 
She is my instrument, and I heard what you're doing, and you're off. And I'm giving you proof that it is truth in what he, she says. Because David would be wondering, how could she possibly know that I associated my enemies with Nabal? There ought to be a reality check at that point and say, oh, even if I said it out loud, it was with my people. There was no one who went back and forth. How does she know? Uh-oh. Beauty now turns into a greater respect because what is now David realizing? You don't have to read further. By that statement, David says, uh-oh, she's an instrument of the Lord. Let's see if that's true. Let's go to the next slide. And now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. This is just to respect the request. That's all she had to say. Please forgive the trespass of your servant, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house. Read again. Please forgive the trespass of your servant. Please, please what? Forgive. Remember how, how we seriously we took that. If you weren't here, go back. How we need to walk in the spirit of forgiveness. Actually, if we don't practice that on a regular basis, we cannot be formed by the Holy Spirit in our life. It's one of the disciplines that we will walk for the rest of our life in. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house. Oh, wow. How can she know that, that I will establish a king forever? But it's not that she knows that. It's that she's saying, you ought to trust the promise of the Lord. Don't take things into your own hand. How can you be a king and a great one who serves God and let things like this affect you and let evil channel through you? Because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord. And evil shall not be found in you. Reality check. Don't call yourselves a Christian if you continue to have a personal agenda. Be honest to yourself. Your life now is to, we wrestle not against Flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We are here to be in the army of the Lord, and we have no room for personal endeavors and agendas. If you do that, you are not an anointed one. You have left the area where you are battling in this cosmic battle that we're part of. If men rise up to pursue you and to seek your life and the life of my Lord shall be found in the bundle of the living in the care of the Lord your God uh, <coughs> and the enemy and the lives of your enemy, he shall sling out as from the hollow of a sling. 
What a beautiful picture about how God deals with his enemies. What is she saying? God is the one who fights the battle. He will take revenge. Why are you not at peace and trusting this reality? And when the Lord has done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you. <laughs> and has appointed you prince over Israel. My Lord shall have no cause of grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause. Or my Lord working salvation himself. And when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord then remember your servant. Isn't, guilty or isn't David already guilty of this? And it's the bloodshed that he shared as he ran away, not on God's command, that the Lord will limit him from building him a house. Because he says, because your hands have shed too much blood. Is she the mouth of the Lord? She's saying this before David will hear himself from the Lord. Discernment, a source of joy, discernment. Now David recognizes, and David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord. Hey, wait a minute, this is Abigail. No, 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 no. This is the voice of God, so he, he knows he's dealing with. God, blessed be the Lord. I'm back on the right track. God is in the middle. We're just pawns in the equation. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you. Who sent her? God. This day to meet me. God sent her to meet him because he was in the wrong and she was in the right. She was with God and he was not. Confession? Don't say that because it makes you look bad, David. We don't confess our sins to one another because it makes us look bad and then the church will gossip about you. That's why David is given to us. Who's on his knees now? She is prostrate on the ground, but literally now, spiritually, he is bowing. Interesting how, let me speak into your ears, has reversed the spiritual position of the people. David is prostrate before the Lord. No longer she who is with the face to the ground before his. David is now confessing, prostrating. And then he turns to her. Blessed be your discretion. What is David doing? He's saying you're so beautiful in being a servant of the Lord and that which he has gifted to you. He has more than come as a voice to my ears. Blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. 
Do you know that every sick church I've been into is looking to see how can the pastor work salvation with their own hands? 100% record of that. Maybe now seen about 30 of them. The entire church and the leadership of the church is expecting an evil thing from the pastor. And they're trying to push him to go in that direction. To see salvation coming from their own hands. Blessed be your discretion and blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, God of Israel lives, his following her prerogative, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you have heard, read. How did she do it the moment she heard? She made haste. They know the spiritual things. And come to meet me truly by morning that had been not left to Nabal so much as one male. Then David received from her hand what she had brought him. David received from her hand. Do you think David just kind of took from her hand? No, it shows the intimate relationship that they had in the Lord. And he said to her, go in peace to your house. He wanted to bring death and war, but go in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice. She called him my Lord because she respected the voice of God and the prophet. But David humbled himself that God used the maidservant. And said, you know, I obeyed your voice. How does the chapter start? The Samuel did what? Pass? Does that mean that the Lord cannot use someone to still bring about his voice? Abigail didn't have to be a prophetess for the Lord to use her. And she wasn't a prophetess. See, I have obeyed your voice and I have granted your petition. And Abigail came to Nabal and behold, he was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry with him, within him for he was very drunk. She told him nothing at all until the morning light. Now, this is what happens. You have, the way we look at how the Holy Spirit ministers, there's certain manifestations of the gift that are a package. So when you look at the, the prophetic words, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discernment, they're kind of gotten together. So if you receive a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, it does function in a way within the prophetic. If you have discernment, it will look like the prophetic, because things are so clear to you as you see them that way. And then people say, wow, 
They said ahead of time he happened, they must be a prophet. But they're all part of the same manifestation. And they're slightly different, but they're part of the same group. Because remember how she said from a slingshot and everything's going to happen? The Lord is going to take care of this? That's what she told David that the Lord does to his enemies. What's going to happen to Nabal? You can say, wow, I wonder if she prophesied. She just discerns. She knows how God works. In the morning when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things and his heart died within him. And he became as a stone. He had a, probably a, a, a brain hemorrhage. This is the condition that he was in. Look about this. And about 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, do you think David remembered what she said to him? Oh, very much. You'll not forget something like this. It was painful. He had to go through his mourning, every word. But he was expectant. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord. The Lord will, will fight, not me. Who has avenged the insult I received at the hand of Nabal and has kept back his servant from wrongdoing. The Lord has returned the evil of Nabal on his own head. Then David sent and spoke to Abigail to take her as his wife. When the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they said to her, David has sent us to take you to him as his wife. And she rose and bowed with her face to the ground and said, Behold, your handmaid is a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. And Abigail hurried and rose and mounted a donkey, and her five young women attended her. She followed the messengers of David and became his wife. David also took Ahionam of Jezreel, and both of them became his wives. Saul had given Michael, his daughter, David's wife, to Palti, the son of Laish, who was behind, who was of Galim. What happens when the Spirit of God is working good? Behind the scenes, the devil is also working evil. He's staring down, he's destroying, taking Michael, giving it to another one. The devil is also hard at work. Because he doesn't like to lose ground. Are you a Christian? An anointed of the Lord? Hmm. Are you fighting the battles of the Lord? Or do you have your own agenda? Or are you simply following a program, a worldly program that knows the name of the Lord, is religious, but just like Nabal, caught in a well of destruction and just trying to party 
relax and just fill your pockets with more wealth. That is who Nabal represents. Nabal was a Calebite, a worshiper. Probably gave more money and more uh, sacrificed more than some other ones who truly worship God. Go home and keep reading and more and more will open to you. You will see aspects of the church presented in this story. Very many people representing different lives of being in good, dangerous, bad relationship to God. I just scratched the surface today a little bit. It gets much deeper than that. You may see yourself in a bowl where you never thought you'd be. You may see yourself in Abigail. You may see yourself in David. You may find yourself in many places in this story. But I wonder if today you're thinking about lunch or how long the sermon is or thinking, I wonder if Jesus was here today to speak to my ear about my condition as I see myself in this story. Does Jesus want to speak to your ear today? And do you want to live a life where you receive from his hand? Don't live today unjustified. Prayerfully approach this as we worship the Lord with our last song. Have thine own way, Lord. Obviously, it was picked on purpose. Have thine own way, Lord. As we are good at taking matters into our own hand. <laughs>